0: The following Dharma talk was part of a three-hour introduction to mindfulness workshop offered at Common Ground Meditation Center Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. So we'll do about a 15-minute sitting practice. Take a few moments to find that nice balance between uprightness in the posture and a sense of ease or relaxation in the posture. So both the wakefulness and the relaxation are important in our sitting posture. Let the face be relaxed. Eyes relaxed, jaws relaxed, the nose in line with the belly button. Let the ears be over the shoulders. And the head just rests on top of the spine, balanced. Belly soft. Release any tension along the floor of the pelvis. Notice the sense of stability in the sitting posture, sense of ease, and again, let the attention drop open to the experience of the body sitting. And in particular now, notice the sensations of the breath in the body. And see if it's possible to notice the sensations of the breath without needing to control the breath. Let the body breathe. The body can breathe without any conscious control. That means if the breath is deep and smooth, we just let it be deep and smooth. If it's shallow and erratic, then we just let it be shallow and erratic. Completely trust the body to breathe. And even if the breath feels controlled, as long as we're not intentionally controlling it, Just let it be, feeling the breath as it comes in, feeling the breath, the sensations of the breath as it goes out. So the classic object for mindfulness meditation, for sitting mindfulness meditation, is to observe the sensations of the breath in the body. It's not the only object for meditation practice, but it's a classic object. So we'll use this for our basic instruction. Find a place in the body where the sensations of the breath are relatively clear for you. It might be the expansion and contraction of the abdomen. If that's the case, simply notice the expansion and then the contraction. Notice the brief gap as the breath comes in and the expansion stops before the exhalation and the contraction begins. Or perhaps the breath is more clear through the sensations near the nostrils, feeling the air touching the skin there as it comes in and as it goes out. So just noticing where it's clear and then let that be an anchor for the attention. cultivating an intimacy, tracking the present moment sensations of the breath, or knowing the present moment sensations of the breath as it comes in, as it goes out. And every time that the attention wanders, there's no need to judge or get frustrated, But in a light and persistent way, gentle and persistent way, begin again, connecting and sustaining attention with the breath. Some people find it quite useful to note the in and out or rising and falling of each breath. This simple mental labeling can help to develop a greater continuity of attention. So you can experiment with this technique and use it if it's helpful. So it would be like whispering at the back of the mind. In. Out. Or if you're feeling the breath in the belly rising, falling. This mental noting should direct the attention to the sensations of the breath directly. So we're not thinking about the labeling. We're using the labeling to direct the attention to the actual physical sensations of the breath in the body. be willing to begin again, no matter how many times the mind wanders. The way to begin again is simply to notice that the mind's wandering, and then drop the attention into the experience of the body sitting, completely open to the body sitting, and discover there the sensations of the breath in the body, and then specifically connecting the attention with the sensations of the breath, feeling the breath come in, feeling the breath go out. Connect and sustain attention with the breath, but be willing to begin again without frustration every time the mind wanders away. Inevitably, there will be times when it's not possible to connect and sustain attention with the ordinary sensations of the breath. Because something else is arising that's quite compelling, and the attention just goes there. Like, for example, if there's a lot of pain in the body, the attention will naturally, unavoidably go to where the pain is or if there's a disturbing thought, a powerful memory, or some interesting sound in the room. So when these obstacles arise, these strong, compelling obstacles arise, then instead of struggling against them, we let them become the object of attention. So, for example, with pain, when there's some strong pain in the body, then let that be the object for attention. Simply opening, becoming intimate with the pain. Now, the tendency we we'll will be to want to reject it, or to judge it, or hate it. But just see this other possibility of being intimate with it. Ah, pain is like this. It's the same thing with a disturbing emotion. Oh, sadness is like this. Excitement is like this. It's actually possible to be intimate with all experience. So whenever an obstacle, a strong obstacle, arises in our sitting practice, we practice being intimate with it, even though it might be quite difficult. We practice being intimate without interfering with it, We let it get as big as it needs to be. In a sense, these obstacles bloom and we just let them be as big as they are. Practice receiving them, letting them be. And notice how they're also changing. They're coming, arising, and eventually they pass away on their own. Not because we want them to pass away, but quite naturally all experience as this characteristic to come and to go. So we simply observe, open, and when it's no longer compelling, then we begin again with our basic practice of connecting and sustaining attention with the sensations of the breath in the body. So don't feel like it's a mistake when other strong experiences draws the attention. If you can, return to the breath. If you can't, then let the obstacle itself be the meditation practice, and practice being intimate and non-judging, non-reacting to this distraction, whatever it might be. You might find it useful to note it. So if there's a painful memory, then note, ah, remembering is like this. Or if there's pain in the body, ah, 18 is like this, can this be okay? So we'll be sitting for another few minutes. And now, for the last few seconds, just see if you can also notice any effects from this meditation practice. Just noticing the quality of the mind or the quality of the heart, maybe a sense of tranquility, or maybe the opposite, a sense of restlessness. Maybe there's a sense of ease. Missing any effect from this practice. And however it is, just see if it's possible to let it be okay. This is how it is now, this mind and body. Can this be okay? It's always nice after a sitting period not to move quickly, but just let the eyes open if you need to gently. Adjust or stretch the body, then do that. But when you sit at home to give yourself a few minutes before you have to start doing whatever you're going to do next, not that you, so you're not just rushing off. That's a good time just to reflect on the effect of the practice. Did it seem like uh, it was a wholesome effect or an unwholesome effect? a basic principle, which is never judge your practice based on what it looks like while you're sitting. Because a lot of times when we sit, it looks like a real mess. I'm sure you've noticed that. Maybe even today, you know, you sit and the mind is just spinning or really exhausted or just a complaining mind or some sort of reactive mind. But over time, even though that's how our sit is, over time we'll see that the effect of our practice on our daily life, that there's just more spaciousness, more patience, more clarity, that we have seemingly more options as we go through our life than we had before. So even though the practice might be difficult, just like going to the gym and working out isn't necessarily pleasant, but the effect can be quite good and wholesome. And it's the same with sitting practice. Sometimes, but not always, there is the effect in our sitting practice of feeling more relaxed and calm and clear at the end of the sit. That does happen. Uh, But not always. So that's why it's good for us just to mention that. So we have some time now just to hear from people, both your sits in general that you've noticed, but especially your sit today. One, any questions that you might have about the basic technique that I offer today. And two, just if you have any experiences while you were sitting today or at home that you'd like to bring up, something that maybe you don't know how to work with or you you feel like you've been really successful working with and you'd like to share with the group. So any questions or comments that people have about their sitting practice? What did you notice in your sitting practice today? Mm -hmm. And please say your names. Oh, uh, my name is Dave. And uh, I noticed that I was trying to really take deep breaths, but that I actually wanted to take shorter breaths. Um, In order to calm down a little bit, I had to go back and take shorter breaths. Yeah, it's interesting how it's actually, it isn't easy to just let the body do the breathing. Generally speaking, one of our habits, and it's probably not such a good habit, especially if we asked our partners or good friends, generally we have this habit of anything we're close to, we want to control. Anything we're paying attention to, we want to control. So when we look at our friend, you know, we want to control our friend. (laughs) When we look at our breath, then we want to control the breath. So we're, we're cultivating a different way of relating or being with experience, with mindfulness practice. We're being really intimate with it, but we're dropping, we're letting go of that tendency, that impulse, to try to control it, to tweak it, to make it better, to make it fit the way we think it should be. Um, and it's not easy to let go of that control. It's a, it's a deep habit, almost a instinct at this point. So, but we do that practice anyway. So it's like hands-off. That's what you practice. Now, the breath may feel like it's going too fast or too slow at times, but generally it will come into sync. It will be okay if we just let go, keep letting go of the breath. And it's okay if it's a little bit faster than it needs to be or a little bit slower than it needs to be because what we're cultivating isn't proper breathing. What we're cultivating is proper attention. So we're really working on the level of how the mind relates to experience. And we're purifying the way the mind relates to experience. Now, there are techniques to develop proper breathing. But that's not what meditation practice is about. That's a breathing practice. And it can be quite useful. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And you said it was Dave? Yes. Dave. Other thoughts or comments about what you're noticing in your practice? yeah, yeah, and it how is it when you're sitting and you notice that restlessness? How is that? What is that experience like to notice the restlessness in your body or maybe in your body and mind Well is it pleasant or unpleasant? uh-huh. <laughs> Make sure to tell him (laughs) Yeah, actually restlessness can be really unpleasant to just sit with Uh, The tendency to want to do and to move Both for the mind and for the body So just do your best to um, observe it for periods of time And over time your capacity to be with that restlessness will deepen often restlessness doesn't have a center, like in terms of observing it. There's not, like with pain, often physical pain, there's a real specific center to the pain, the place of greatest intensity, and we can just train the mind to observe or to look right at that point where the sensations are most strong and to just let them be, so to be intimate and to let go. With restlessness, it's a little harder. It's almost as if there's no center, sometimes at least, to the restlessness. But don't assume that. See if there is. Maybe it's a disturbing thought. Maybe it's some kind of anxiety or fear that's that. Or maybe it's a kind of an excitement that's behind the restlessness. So if you can get to sort of the emotional charge, or maybe it's a physical center, if you can find sort of the seed of the restlessness, then bring your attention there with that open, non-judging, non-reacting awareness. Just let it be. But it won't be easy often, because it will be unpleasant. And the mind, when something's unpleasant, the mind is even more in the habit of wanting to fix it, and wanting to explain it, or rationalize it, or do something, anything, but just being open to it. So in a way, there's a... And Gail, I'm sure, will talk about this more when she talks about obstacles, working with obstacles. There's a kind of like... Can I just let this be? Like we're exposing ourselves to the restlessness. And uh, you might try using, experimenting with the noting technique, so you're noting the in and out of each breath. Sometimes getting the mind a more specific technique is useful, and sometimes that increases the restlessness. And what we need is a more spacious anchor. So there's no one right answer. So try both. Try really giving your mind something very specific to do in terms of the meditation technique, noting each in, each out of the breath. Or if you're feeling your breath here, noting each rising and each falling of the breath. breath. That seems to increase the restlessness. Then you might change your awareness to, instead of having a very specific awareness, like the sensations of the belly expanding and contracting, or the air touching just here as it goes in and out of the nostrils, you might use sound. You know, sound has this nice sort of expansive quality to it, so we're just receiving the sounds in the room or in the space. Or you can use the whole body sensation, so feeling the whole body sitting. That's your anchor. Now, that may help to sort of settle the rest of this down so you can be more uh, present and calm. Good luck. And the next thing is things change. It'll be restlessness for a while, who knows how long, and then it'll be something else. <laughs> Sleepiness, probably. <laughs> now, does that happen just when you sit or just in general in your life? In general. <laughs> <laughs> Huh? Uh-huh. Well, <clears throat> of course, you may be sleep deprived, in which case, we all know what the answer to that problem is. You need more sleep. But let's just assume you, you're getting enough sleep, okay? Even though that may not be the case, but we'll just assume because one of the most challenging obstacles for meditators is nodding off. And I must, this is, again, for people who are getting enough sleep. So this isn't because you're not getting enough sleep. Even if you are getting enough sleep. Because part of meditation practice is developing the talent to tranquilize the mind. So from distraction, from activity to uh, a non-activity. But that's only half of what meditation, mindfulness meditation is about. So half of meditation, this style of meditation, is the tranquilizing of the mind. The other half is the brightening of the mind. So we want to cultivate both halves of the practice. So for people who have a natural talent for this tranquilizing of the mind, the sense of ease and acceptance and release, then generally what you need, the medicine you need, is not to get rid of the tranquility, but to increase the alertness or the brightness or interest in the mind. So this is a nice way to think of the basic instruction. We're cultivating two qualities, and we need to keep the two qualities in balance. There's really no end to how much tranquility we want to cultivate. And there's basically no end to how much brightness and wholesome interest we want to cultivate. So we want to keep increasing both of those qualities. So then for you, Ross, uh, as you hear and reflect on the meditation instructions, pay particular attention to the parts of the instruction that have to do with interest, has to do with seeing things clearly, and naming, like being able to recognize. If we make the mind recognize experience, it brightens the mind. If you make your mind name or label, what's being seen, what's being known, that will brighten the mind. If you try to see more details, that will brighten the mind. If you're already restless, I forgot your name already. Terry, Terry. if you're already restless like Terry, then if you make your mind see more details, make your mind name or note, sometimes it increases the restlessness. So Terry, you need to learn from Ross, tranquility. And then Ross needs to learn from Terry, interest and brightness and sort of uh, uh, kind of wanting to catch or see the experience before it disappears, before it changes. And so like just with the basic instruction of feeling the breath in the body, then you could try to catch the very first moment of the in-breath and then that middle moment when the breath isn't all the way in yet and then the very end of the in-breath. And then that gap between the in-breath and the beginning of the out-breath and then to feel the sensations at the very beginning of the out breath, and then the middle of the out breath. and then what's the, what does it feel like in the body at the very end of the out breath? and then what is that gap between the outbreath but before the in-breath begin what does that gap feel like and just that interest it's not that you're going to be able to catch all of that but just to have that degree of interest and that intention will be brightening for the mind the, the basic principle is if you need energy If you don't have enough energy, enough brightness, then make your mind work. The more you make your mind make effort, the more brightness there will be. Now, it seems counterintuitive. When we're tired, we think, I need to relax because I'm tired. But if you make your mind work, it should bring more energy into your mind, seeing more details of your present moment experience. Then, then, Then you might want to... Notice how the awareness, the seeing, happens effortlessly. So you really recognize. you're training your mind to recognize how knowing doesn't require any effort. Knowing just happens. And that will be tranquilizing uh, and relaxing for the mind that needs more of that tranquility and not more of the energy. Does that make sense? So it's like... I said at the beginning of the first sit today, you know, see if you can stop being aware. We can't. So we just, just notice how the receptivity, that quality of the mind that just knows what's happening, that's just automatic. And just let the practice, let your life be natural and effortless. Let the meditation practice be effortless. Instead of believing you have to do, Right? And that will, that will uh, ignite more of the tranquility or bring in more tranquility, more ease, more acceptance and trust. That's the other half of the equation. So it's like medicine. The practice is all about balance between these two factors, brightening and relaxation or tranquility. And there are other ways to talk about them. You know, this is really the investigation and interest side of things. And this is the the acceptance, the unconditional acceptance side of things. So we need both. We have a little bit more time before our break. Any other questions about sitting practice that you notice, what you're noticing? Even if you don't have a question, if you'd just like to share a little bit about what you noticed during that 20-minute sit we did. Mm -hmm. I have a question. My name is Sarah. while, and um, you very speak about this, um, I don't know, churned up, you know, um, kind of, I don't know, our mind and how it's going really fast, and how it's hard to concentrate or how to um, accept what's going on. How much of that is natural, just people? And how much of that is cultural? or? or well, the, the nice thing is, I mean, the, I, I'm going to change the question a little bit. Because uh, what we try to do with this class, instead of, because it's an interesting question, what you ask, but uh, I want to keep the question just in terms of, what might be useful for human beings that are interested in developing deeper understanding, to just be more skillful in life and have more peace and happiness in life, um, more harmony in life. And then what we'll notice is that even in our own life there are times when there's more activity, the mind is more out of control, uh, not really connecting but sort of skimming the surface, bouncing off of things, restless, or the opposite of that, really is when the mind is really glommed onto one thing, a kind of obsessing about one thing. neither of those are what I would call healthy or wholesome, because it uh, the mind isn't able to respond to the conditions of the moment in the in the best in the best possible way, which would be... Because, you know, the moment is constantly changing. The circumstances of our life is constantly changing, are constantly changing. So it's useful to have a mind that is nimble enough to, to be there in the moments of our life and to respond appropriately. And in order to respond appropriately, the mind has to completely let go of what has been past and what's not yet here to be fully in the moment, to really get to receive what's happening in the moment. And if there's a lot of activity, if we're in the habit of you know, having a restless mind where we're just skimming on the surface, it's like we land in the moment, but then we're gone before we really if the mind can be intimate with what's going on. Like, where is this person coming from? What are my needs? What am I where am I at right now? Really sort of receiving that and then speaking or responding to the situation from that place of having really Landed in the moment. Or we're so focused and obsessed about something that we go through our life completely oblivious to the other things going on, because all we're doing is thinking about this relationship or focused on you know the problem at work or the war in Iraq or whatever we're kind of absorbed in. So we want to cultivate a mind that has the capacity to be intimate, but that capacity to really land and absorb is not a fixed quality because the next moment is different and so we have to be able to really receive and be connected with that moment and if we get stuck in the past or in a previous moment then we're not going to be ready to respond to what's happening next so i think it, it is generally our habit to get caught in one of those extremes you know because the one of the definitions of, of having an ego is our ego likes drama. And we, we create drama by this obsessive tendency, and we create drama by flitting about, you know, and kind of. Uh, it's like we're getting little rushes. I think about the future, I get a little rush. I think about the past, I get a little rush. I think about this, I think about that. And it's like we're getting little. We're at a buffet, and we're getting little sort of treats. So I'll take a little bite of this, and I'll take a little bite of that. And that, it's sort of like we're stimulating the mind. And so the ego is getting little rushes. In the same way that it gets a rush if it just gets fixated or obsessed with one particular thing. And we really dig deep. Oh, yeah, and then he said that, and then he... Yeah. And we're just sort of... It's like we're feeding off of that. And then the opposite, which we could call mindfulness or a wholesome mind, is a mind that's... Uh, completely nimble and ready to receive and relate to each moment as it actually is with no agenda because if we have an agenda then we can't actually receive the moment and then if we're not fully receiving the moment then our response to the moment isn't based on having fully received it and our response won't be as, as wholesome as it might be the most wholesome response to any moment in our life will arise if we're really there in that moment. then That's the definition of, of living a, a skillful, wholesome life. It's like those of you with kids. You know how it is, or with, you know those of you with friends or partners. It's the same thing. We can be an automatic pilot even with people we really care about. And we're not very effective as partners or friends or parents if we're on automatic pilot. But if we're really there when we're with another human being, or we're really there when we're with ourselves, then we're much more effective in the choices we make. So that's a little bit more about why meditate. But let's take some time now, maybe five or seven minutes, uh, to stretch your legs. You can chat with one another. If you haven't signed in, you can sign in. There's only one bathroom. It's downstairs to the right, uh, so you can use the bathroom (coughs) if you need to. And we'll start up in about seven minutes.